0: Two meals a day at the most, fast at least one meal a day, get your heart rate up for 10 minutes a day. And he actually said, like, a glass of red wine a day is very good for you. Okay, everybody, we are back. It's Underdogs, and I am David Patrick Fleming, and with me, as always, is the young Jake (laughs) Eamon. I don't know if I've ever called him Jake before. Now, it may be February. It may be wet and snowy and miserable. You may be in lockdown. You may not be. Wherever you are, whatever your situation is, baseball is on its way. Pitchers and catchers reported last week. We're going to have games as early as the end of this week. We got Jays and Yankees on Sunday. Sunday. Sunday! February 28th, baby! Yeah. And on today's episode, here's what we're going to do. Let's break this down. Give them the rundown. We're going to take you through all the off-season moves. We're going to get you set up for spring training. Who's new? Who's old? Who's left and gone and dead to us? And then we're going to get into our spring... Training predictions. Going to have a little fun trying to take some stabs in the dark at what to expect during this exciting spring training. And then we're going to do a new segment called Big League News, where we're going to talk about some stories around baseball. Now, Jacob. Yeah. Does spring training starting give you the lifeline that you need right now to keep going, to keep plowing forward through this god awful situation?
1: it honestly i've been thinking about that in a lot and i really think it does you know i have some concerns about how much of the spring training i'm going to be able to view we'll talk about that later But just Mm -hmm. seeing the photos of Vladdy and trying to figure out, does he look as good as he looked in those pictures I saw before? I'm not sure about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Seeing George Springer in the uniform, seeing ripped Beau Bichette in that tight, skin tight Nike shirt with his traps, traps, yeah, traps. His chest looking incredible.
0: I was just outside and it's got to be, I don't know, four degrees. It's balmy. I wasn't even wearing my winter jacket. The snow was melting. It was all wet and slushy, but it just felt like that change of a season. And I started to get so excited about being able to, to watch, hopefully, hopefully watch, uh, some spring training baseball and, uh, see these, see these boys back in action. But.
1: We made it through the polar vortex, man. We had a polar vortex. I I know not everyone's in Toronto, but I think all of Canada has been dealing with, you know, minus 10 as the highest high. Maybe not in Vancouver or whatever happens on the West Coast. Yeah. Jerks. Fuck uh, Vancouver. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Seriously oh we're so we're so healthy we dealt with the pandemic better than you guys oh my god our lives are amazing mountains beach whatever uh ah, we're in this fucking polar vortex in the middle of an overpopulated fucking city when no one's wearing masks and passing this virus around yeah. everybody We've got like 52 different strains going through the city
1: but we made it through that's what i'm saying you know yes, The we, snow we did, is melting man. spring training is here baseball is gonna happen almost every day
0: <laughs> How oh great my is that? God, what a and like in the day too. You know what I mean. You don't have to wait all day to watch these games at night. You can kind of wake up, do your thing, have seven eight coffees, and then boom, it's baseball one pm. But before we get to that, Jacob, can you can you get us all set up to know where we're where we've been, what we've gone through to to set us up for what to expect during this spring training? Can you yeah can you romance me a tale of where we've been.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this is this is the off season rundown. Now I know some of you guys have been following. You've been on the Twitter. You've been refreshing every second. You've been on the Blue Jays MLB.com forward slash Blue Jays forward slash roster moves. Whatever. Maybe some of you are like that. Some of you aren't though. We got some casual fans out there, and I love the casual fans. And so I just want to do yeah, like you said before, we talk about what's happening right now with spring training Sunday first game people doing the workouts i just wanted to do a overview of where we are now based on what has happened in this i would say monumental perhaps franchise altering offseason okay so right off the rip we re-signed robbie ray right robbie had a pretty good finish to 2020 with a real solid playoff performance he lowered his walk rate in toronto from crazy high to quite high but he is still perhaps, <laughs> uh, still perhaps underrated. It's, it's a, perhaps an underrated signing with, I think, a lot of upside. If he can get close to what he was in 2017 to 2019. And just a quick reminder on him. I, he's only 29 years old. Something that I'm still in shock every time wow. I hear that. The same age that, as me. That's
0: really shocking. <laughs> right? I wouldn't have thought that, actually. 29. If somebody asked me how old Robbie Ware was, I think I would have said like 31. Yeah. And the difference mentally between like 29 and 31, huge. Massive. I didn't realize he was that young. Wow.
1: That's why I'm saying like there's still so much upside with it. Like you just feel like, oh, yeah, he's, he's had his peak. He went through his prime and this is his decline. This isn't his decline. He's just his something went wrong with his delivery and he started walking people like crazy but he's still got he's still got great stuff he strikes people out like crazy when he isn't walking them and so i still firmly believe he can be better than taiwan walker Jake odorizzi and all the guys that we were clamoring for because we don't believe in this rotation moving on we here's a huge move we non-tendered Travis Shaw huge move by the Blue Jays one Give of the, the highlights applause. yes one of the highlights of the offseason. Shaw is back with the Brewers and I will be following up frequently to see how poorly he's doing there the Brewers got a couple of uh, dumpster oh, yeah. dives from the Blue Jays yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh we signed Tyler Chatwood uh, not a lot to report about okay. about this guy. Uh, he was a below average starting pitcher who was apparently going to pitch relief for us, and they're now even going as far to say is high leverage relief. He thinks. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. He too. thinks his stuff is going to play up when he can gas it out for a short stint. We shall see, Mister Chatwood. Next, we got uh, Kirby Yates, and this kind of signaled the first big addition of the offseason and is perhaps rightfully overshadowed by what came after but this was a big move for us ken giles is gone and in case you forgot his arm fell off and he had to get surgery um he recently signed a two-year deal with the mariners to get healthy again so our ninth inning job was up for grabs jordan romano was very impressive last year but also dealt with injuries delise performed well in the ninth as well but kirby yates makes those guys go back to being excellent setup men who can fill in if Yates gets hurt or if he's not performing well. But Yates has top-of-the-league closer stuff. He posted a 1.19 ERA with 49 saves while striking out 15 batters per nine innings in 2019, where he was arguably the best reliever in baseball. Uh, 2020 was a wash for Kirby. Uh, he only pitched four innings, which went extremely poorly, with an ERA over 12. Uh, he was searching for answers. Turned out the answers were bone spurs in his elbow. Uh, so he, he had surgery, watched the Padres go to the playoffs without him. And the pro- the projections of him are kind of s- are c- interesting to me. They aren't amazing with everyone except the Zips projections. Um, have him having an ERA over 3.3 zips projected 2.98 it's higher than his 2019 1.19 and 2018 2.14 and all eras and everything but it's definitely something um so hopefully he uh is
0: better than his projections he's still listed as having an elbow issue i don't know if that's a new thing from him getting to camp and them saying oh he's he's off the mound he's not throwing right now because of his elbow or if that's just carryover from his elbow injury but when you look at the roster he's uh listed as having an injury mm. i have not heard about this
1: or uh, that's very curious i wonder he'll be definitely someone to watch uh, in spring training games see what his workload's like see if he's ready to just get after it but uh moving on next we signed this is the big move superstar george springer arguably the best free agent out there this off season he's elite He's a franchise-altering player, so look for him to dominate this season. And if you want more on him, go back and listen to the episode we did about him when he signed. Okay, the same goes for Marcus Simeon. Former MVP candidate in 29. He's an excellent defensive shortstop who will be playing second base for us, and he could be looking at a gold glove there, I think. He's a guy who had to hit at the top of the order in Oakland, a team that has been consistently finding its way to the playoffs. And now he comes to an offense so good that he will probably find himself hitting in the bottom third of the order. Takes a lot of pressure off him. Might add to him being even better. Again, more information. We did a whole episode pretty much about the signing of Marcus Simeon, um, which I'm going to say is, again, overshadowed by the brilliant moves. We're talking 3D chess here by the front office. 20 moves ahead checkmate moves here and you know what i'm talking about february 10th blue jays designated for assignment shun yamaguchi on february 11th oh. the, the blue jays designated for assignment derek Bisher. now some of you listeners out there casuals perhaps uh you're sitting there thinking what even is designating for assignment what what is the assignment don't worry about it they're gone Gone. No more Gucci. No more Fisher.
0: They did get uh, Cash and a player to be named later for Derek Fisher. That lets you know that uh, maybe it's not just the Blue Jays front office that was so high on him. Anybody who remembers Derek Fisher, very first game with the Blue Jays, took a ball right off the fucking chops. Uh misplayed it in the outfield, looked like hell, and that was on the same day when we traded him for Aaron Sanchez that Aaron Sanchez was part of a group no hitter with yeah. the Astros. He was excellent. And uh then there was of course the memorable Derek Fisher game against the Yankees, where I mean you can go look at the highlights for that one. It was about what did he have sixteen errors that game?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think
0: so. Possibly one of the most
1: reviled Blue Jays of all time, at least in in my recent memory. I mean, there was there was you know, those Hansen guy recently, those kind of guys, but they... Alan Hansen. Alan, <laughs> Alan Hansen. They felt a bit more inconsequential than
0: Derek yeah, Alan Hansen just feels dull to me. Doesn't He didn't really do anything that enraged you. But Brito was a little bit more. Socrates Brito was a little bit more in that because he was um, so highly touted as being a toolsy guy, just like Fisher. Yeah, but Fisher... <sighs> there was something about
1: Fisher that was so hateable. I don't know if it was just... Part of it was that... You know, we did trade Aaron Sanchez, Joe Biagini for him, two kind of beloved players, even though they had their flaws for the Blue Jays. Aaron Sanchez was an ERA title winner and just had everything in front of him and couldn't get over his injuries. Derek Fisher is on the Brewers. He's he's uh, he's he's with Travis Shaw, the Brewers, the Brewers. I think that's so funny. <laughs> I want to know how much they're giving us for Derek
0: Fisher. Ten bucks, you know? Yeah, how much money? I I always wondered that, like the cash considerations. Yeah. I will consider giving you some cash for, <laughs> let me hang out with Derek Fisher for 20 minutes, and then I'll decide how much money I'm going to give yeah. you. Yeah, and the player
1: to be named later is a ball boy we're going to consider. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's just like a younger
0: Derek Fisher. Yeah,
1: yeah. so I, I don't know. I just imagine being a fan of the Brewers right now. Uh, I'm not sure sure if there's a more depressing <laughs> state of affairs and what's happening for uh, MVP Christian Yelich and his Brewers. Oh, yeah really brutal. Um, and then the the, the the final move of the offseason I want to talk about is the trade for Stephen Matz. And a lot of people have been asking me, who the fuck is Stephen Matz? And honestly, no one knows. yeah, he, he, he he's the final pitcher with starting potential. We grabbed this off season, and it left a lot of people scratching their heads. Um, in, 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 last season, the Mets demoted him to the bullpen. His ERA was almost 10. He had a negative 0.6 war. His hard hit percentage was 49%. <laughs> His opponent OPS was over a thousand. He was, he was bad in just about every way you can be bad as a pitcher. And it wasn't just last year. He's been declining since his 2016 season, which was really his only good one. So, of course, the people that talk baseball in Toronto say, well, it must be another project for our pitching coach slash guru, Pete Walker. So so, so what is it that's in there for Pete to try and fix? Well, like Robbie Ray, he's 29 years old. Okay. I like the youth. His fastball average is 94 miles per hour. His strikeout percentile in the baseball savant page is uh, the 62nd percentile and his walk is in the 70th percentile everything else in the advanced stat seems to be bad like really bad and i don't i don't claim to really fully understand how to read baseball savant pages but every other stat is putting him in the bottom percentile of baseball we're talking exit velocity five hard hit percentage three Expected WOBA, weighted on base average, 6. Expected ERA, 6. Expected batting average, 3. Expected slugging percentage, 2. Expected barrel percentage, 4. You get the picture. 100 is good.
0: Zero is bad. He's really close to zero on a lot he, of things. He's He's got that quality, though, of like a Hollywood movie. Because if you were a Mets fan back in like I, maybe 2000 and Fourteen. He was a part of the future, man. It was Mats and Degrom and Syndergaard, and those. And were the, Harvey. The, their starting rotation was. Hi- oh yeah, the four Harvey, horsemen. They were, they were highly, called. they were highly, highly touted. They were a dominant uh, rotation that would put fear into everyone in the National League. It just didn't really work out for Stephen Mats so much, but that is in him somewhere is it a change of location that unlocks his genius is it the pitching guru pete walker or does he come here and he's just trash Mm -hmm. i think he's an interesting guy for something like four something million dollars to give a shot to lefty still throws hard why not yeah well
1: yeah uh, all that being said i think steven mass will probably continue to be bad (laughs) so
0: I i hope not and uh, there's, there's some uh, baseball people, I'm not going to name names, uh, who are calling him potentially comeback player of the year. Whoa. Whoa, 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 <laughs> yeah. whoa. I haven't heard about this comeback yeah. player of the year. Yeah, I, I heard it was a very in-depth article on a very legitimate website. I'm not sure. It spoke about how uh, the likelihood of both Stephen Matz and then Andrew Benintendi. We'll talk about that another time. Are going to be potential comeback players of the year.
1: Whoa! And you, I'm, I'm getting the feeling
0: you kind of maybe agree with this take. Well, I mean, if we're going to be fully transparent here, it is my take, and I'm stating that right now. <laughs> uh, you can burn me for it later. Uh, right now, Stephen Matz, comeback player of the year. Okay,
1: okay, I love that. Oh, okay. So in theory, then, without. Without our tinfoil conspiracy hats on, the rotation looks like this, going into spring training. If we're talking about a five-man rotation. Looks like Ryu, Ray, Pearson, Mats, and Roark. And the fact that I have Mats ahead of Roark in that listing is obviously of great concern. But for those who didn't listen to the show last season, it illustrates just how poorly I think of Tanner Roark. Um it also shows why so many in baseball so many people in baseball have a lot of questions about the blue jays rotation and think
0: especially those left-handed pitchers going up against the yankees yes Uh, a lot of people think
1: we needed to add another pitcher and they aren't wrong but maybe maybe our addition is already on the team now hear me out right it doesn't it doesn't and, and, and that, that guy who's already on the team doesn't cost us a three year deal like Taiwan Walker just did for the Mets. Okay? Now, I think I think it's actually a smart move not to get one of those guys by the Jays. Kluber and Paxton, I think, could have been awesome for the team, but they have so so much injury risk baked into it that it's not worth it. So so do Odorizzi and Walker move the needle more than some of the competition to get a job between guys like trent thornton anthony k thomas hatch or my personal favorite to win a job in the rotation this season julian merriweather because i i've been on road i've been on the record with the show saying i
0: think that merriweather looked like a number two starter to be uh i remember you gave me a lot of- i don't remember you saying number two <laughs> specifically i know you're all about merriweather i love merriweather too but i i kind of like him out of the out of the pen just clapping a hundred yeah
1: you gave me a lot of shit when i i think it was like his know, second, a second second time and I, when i called him he looked like a number two to me oh yeah maybe i'm starting <laughs> to remember that now. yeah I,
0: think I did. you were like right out of the gates All this guy hadn't pitched in big leagues for like his entire life he was 28 years old he threw one good inning and you were calling him number two i i believe in him
1: <laughs> it's uh, so it's maybe a stretch but he looked awesome when he finally debuted
0: um, he obviously, hey, man, if I can call Steven Mass the comeback player of the year, you can definitely call Julian Merriweather a number two. Numero the dos. Okay.
1: Yeah, he fell off, obviously, a bit after his impressive debut. Uh, maybe he wasn't built up for the season <laughs> like he needed to be. You know, he had to take a, a couple days off or a week off or something as he was, he was tired. But uh, the Blue Jays clearly see more in him, too. And it's been noted that he's being stretched out to be considered... For a starting job so things get even more interesting when you start thinking about how some of the blue jays pitching prospects stack up against guys like walker and odorizzi how about simeon woods richardson you know alec manoa what if the blue jays know a lot that we don't and maybe he's a lot closer to making his debut for this team than we thought by all accounts, he dominated. I
0: love, I love that you said, What if? What, what if? What if they know more <laughs> what than what we do? What if the Blue Jays know more than us? What if? Here, expand your mind for a second. Yes.
1: From what I heard, he dominated in the alternate site last season. You know, he, he lost a, a season to move up through the ranks. You know, what would have happened if he had that whole year to, to move up through the ranks, prove what he can do? And. We've now seen with a guy like Alejandro Kirk that the Blue Jays have reasons they are willing to jump people up the ladder. And it's, like, it's, it's likely all just wishful thinking, conspiracy theories, but let's let's not underestimate the minds of the Blue Jays' front office. They want to be good. They want to be good. If they thought Walker would really move the needle for this team better over three years than, than these guys that we have coming up or the guys that we already have on the team, they would have done it. They would have chosen, instead of signing Marcus Simeon for $18 million, we would have gotten Colton Wong and Taiwan Walker or something and used that money that way. But we chose Marcus Simeon. We chose the offense and the defense that he brings over getting in. Like I, I just really think that the starting pitchers out there were so bad this offseason, other than Trevor Power, that when we start talking about, oh, the best guys available – Taiwan Walker, Jake O'Torizzi, these guys aren't good. Corey Klooper hasn't barely pitched over the past 2 years. He's obviously incredible before that. Same with Paxton. The, there's just yeah. it's not worth it.
0: At some point you kind of get caught up in the off season about just trying to get uh brand names. Yeah. And and like the the after Bauer, it's like oh the next the next best thing to Nike, well there's this Adidas O'Torizzi and then there's uh there's Reebok Taiwan Walker, but mm-hmm. I agree that there was I didn't find anything overly exciting about uh re signing out of all of them, I think re-signing Taiwan Walker would have been the best because I thought you could get him for maybe a one-year deal didn't really turn out to to be the case. Three years. As as he, even, I know, I know. <laughs> it's surprising. But good for him, man. He I liked Taiwan last He's year. He's a young guy yeah. too, but
1: still like imagine three years, like imagine how much we've changed in three years. Like we've already like We've we've already like been a playoff team and then rebuilt it and are back as a playoff team since three years ago. And I'm know, like knowing Man, that you
0: three years ago we had Jose Bautista on this team. Yeah, yeah, we were still like screaming about Donaldson's calf muscle that <laughs> couldn't hold together. Yes,
1: exactly. It's way too long to have a guy like that who doesn't seem to be elite. He's not. He he doesn't move the needle like like the offensive players that were out there this season, and so. I don't think we need to despair about the pitching right now. It might not be pretty, but there are a lot of guys on the fringes who can add up, I think, to some sort of impact. On the 4th day, maybe you see an opener and then Mats and then Stripling. And the combination of Mats and Stripling is is perhaps better than what's out there. And on the 5th day, maybe Julian Mayweather maybe Julian Mayweather pitches 3 innings and then Roark or Stripling comes in and gets you to the bullpen. I I, I I think it's
0: just every time you say Roark, I just shudder a bit. I don't even know why. I'm just like, <laughs> but now that we're getting into these uh, romantic ideas of the season, now we're getting into conspiracy theories. Let's go a little bit further with it and 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 dare to dream, shall we? Let's get into some spring training predictions. Yep. Are you ready for this? I'm Jacob? so ready. Now. I use the word predictions. Some of these aren't necessarily predictions, but they are, uh, some of them will just be, well, you'll get the hang of it once we get into this. Let's start out with this. Jacob, mm-hmm. out of all the Blue Jays, anybody at spring, I mean, it wouldn't make too much sense for you to go too deep into the 40 man, but first question I'll ask you Who would scare you the most if they had a god awful spring?
1: That's such a, ah, that's such a loaded question. It's like, who do you, who do you think it means more to like start
0: out bad? Like who do you, who, who, yeah. Like if for me, like if George Springer goes over 20, I don't give a shit. Right. And by the way, my nickname for George Springer is Cheetos. So I want to say that now. Jacob hates it. That's mine. Cheetos.
1: Okay. So it, it's, it's hard to kind of put that on anyone, but I guess for me, I gotta say Vlad here, um, the expectations i have of him after the amount of new pressure like it's like we can't we can't let this guy off the hook he re, he uh reinvented his body he's a whole new guy he's out there at third if he's if he's brutal at the plate during spring i'm going to be concerned it seems like he's been working all summer he shouldn't be bad i mean i know they all kind of hit off the plate but i watched videos of him Every other day at his complex in the Dominican, hitting dingers and fielding balls at third. If if he
0: isn't good, I'm gonna be concerned. He's number two for me. I I obviously all of those points are absolutely valid. I think that there's gonna be such an awkward thing for him to sort of navigate coming into camp, looking lighter. Everybody's wondering, can you play third base? What what do you like now at the plate? where well, you've lost all this weight. I saw enough of a sample in the Dominican where I was like, okay, okay, he can figure this out. But my number one who would scare me the most would be Nate Pearson. Mm-hmm. I think if Nate Pearson came into spring and he was just, you know, throwing like 96, 95, and wasn't looking good. That 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 to me, I think for our rotation to to really work, I think he has to take a big, a big giant step forward and do
1: you mean like by the end of spring training here
0: or are we talking like it's a long time like if we're if we're in like- I, I, I mean i mean like all spring they just don't look right they just look bad and like you don't really see too many glimpses like which player would scare you the most if you saw that
1: right part of me part of me definitely i agree with uh, i mean Pearson, we we need him to be excellent uh mm-hmm. and i've just in my mind i penciled him in he's gonna be way better this year um so it'll be it'll crush me if he isn't good off off the bat but also (laughs) i need i need ryu to be good like it was such a foul note to leave off on ryu in the playoffs and to just see like there are those games where it feels like the opposing team just knows what Ryu's doing he can't fool anyone if he's not fooling everyone it seems like BP to the other team he just gets dominated and then the the next time he goes out it's like they can't figure it out at all and it's like if if there are stretches where it seems like Ryu can't fool anyone especially in spring training the pitchers have been there before they should be ahead of the hitters and if he's not if he's not getting guys out, if he's not getting strikeouts or if his commands off and his fastballs velocity continues to dip, I'm going to be quite concerned because he's, he's the only real stable elite guy we have that we know of.
0: I, I I agree with that. I just, for me, when you're like that much of a veteran and you've had so much success, you get a little bit of a hall pass with spring training, you know? Cause I, th- I feel like guys like that, they just like, they're working on stuff They're they, they might be like, ah, oh, I'm not be- hitting the outside, uh, part of the plate with my cutter I'm going to throw this cutter 10 times in a row just to see if I can figure it out but then the hitters seen a cutter 10 times in a row and he smokes it you know 450 feet so yes like if the season started and he has two bad starts that's a nightmare Mm -hmm. but I would give him a hall pass for spring training for the most part I mean if I'm being really honest I feel like I'm giving most players a hall pass for
1: spring training and trying not to get worked up about any of it
0: not not Nate though
1: not not Nate. Not Nate not Vladdy. We've decided. <laughs> uh, you got one? Who, to you, do you predict um, to be the sort of 2019 Bo Bichette? The guy who just seems to be dominating the spring training. Um, I guess there was a bit of... I feel like Bo Bichette was still that guy last, last spring training, too. I feel like he was kind of the talk of camp again. And Alejandro Kirk... Uh, also kind of taking that role of like a guy who just kept hitting and hitting and hitting. And um, so who for you are you thinking is going to be the kind of not
0: necessarily breakout, but kind of the star of spring training. Now, does it have to be an offensive player? Nope. Hmm. It's it's tough because like the elements of Bo being good, the fact that he's young, like my mind sort of went to Kirby Yates for a second. That would make me really excited. But Kirby Yates is a veteran and it's not quite the same the quite the same feel. So uh, not to be uh, too lame here, but I got to go to Nate Pearson again. Mm-hmm. I got to go to Nate Pearson. He's going to finally get in there and he's going to start, you know, getting above the hundred and uh, everybody's going to be talking about it. It's yeah. going to be something that's written about. He's going to be talked about by every Toronto sports broadcast. He's going to be talked about on MLB and it's going to be exciting. I hope, I hope that that's the case. And I think for, for me, that pairs up nice with boba because he's got that kind of intensity, that competitive fire. He's young and he's exciting and he's got a high ceiling.
1: Yeah, I like that. I like that. I feel like that did happen from a bit to last spring training. I remember that game against the Yankees when he was pitching and it just felt like they kept uh, showing the camera on the Yankees bullpen after people were coming back, going into bullpen and just being like, I don't know how to hit that. This, this kid's something else. And you could just get this kind of energy like... You know, at spring training, the games don't matter so much. And it just seemed like they were kind of, like, impressed by him in a, in a way that wasn't like, a, this guy's dominating us. I'm pissed. It's like they're kind of enjoying the fact of how good this kid is. And I, I, I really hope that we get that again this spring training and the whole season. I want to see him dominating. But for me, my pick, I think that <clears throat> I'm expecting Jordan Groshans to not necessarily make a case for making the team but to be that kind of guy where it is the that that exact kind of feeling like Bo Bichette, we're like we know he's not going to make the team but we also have to kind of give it to the kid like this guy showed up and he's he's been the best hitter on the team now i don't like our team's obviously a lot better now that I feel like if we went back in time and it was Jordan Groshans and the same team that Bo Bichette was coming up with, that maybe it would have that same kind of feeling. But I, everything I keep reading about Jordan Groshans and like the time that he feels like he's missed and the the steps that he took in the alternate training side, I just feel like he's going to explode, and I feel like he feels like he's ready for the show. And uh, it's kind of it's a kind of a weird thing. He's so under the radar in some aspects of because this all of these guys the bows we have so many superstar young guys right now that it doesn't feel like there's room for another one but i feel like you know he's 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 really highly touted prospect and i think he's gonna he's gonna put himself on the scene this spring training in a big way
0: yeah man i would i would love that because it seems like he's probably going to play third base they say he's got third base bodies got good hands good defense he's tall he's big from what I was uh, hearing from I think it was Stephen Brunt I was listening to the other day he said uh this kid does not lack confidence he's got that sort of Boba quality to him and we've been hearing about him for a while now he's kind of been that that next uh offensive player the Blue Jays have that uh, you know him and Austin Martin who are coming up who people are really excited about uh and then, you know, then, then you've got like a real problem at third base though, because uh, from what I heard today or yesterday, Guriel's taking reps at third too. Yeah. <laughs> and so that opens up, I guess, left field for Biggio. Yeah, that's interesting though. I was, I was, I was really surprised to hear that Guriel was uh, maybe going back to th- into the infield.
1: I think it's great. I think it's, I, I, I was a fan of Guriel, the infielder. I, I, I Obviously, when he got the yips, and that was a real tough thing to watch. But there was a point in time at the end of, at the end of what was it, 2018, where he was coming into 2019. We're like, this guy might be the shortstop of the Blue Jays. He
0: he doesn't look like an outfielder when he's out there, the way he goes at the ball, the way his body moves. He doesn't, it just doesn't look like an outfielder. Yeah. You know, gold glove nomination aside. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But the thing
1: is, he doesn't have to, I, I think it's just so smart by the Blue Jays to make it so that it's something he can do. Again, it's like they they want to be the Dodgers so bad. We want to have a guy in the outfield who we can move to third base or we can move to first base. His brother plays first base, you know, and again, it's just like taking these guys who have a ton of skills, who have a ton of tools and being able to say, okay, use them here today. We want to be able to get a guy in the DH. We want someone to move to left field, just like No one gets too comfortable anywhere.
0: And I actually think in a weird way, and I might be wrong about this, but I think in a weird way with him uh, getting a shot at third base, it takes some of the attention off this big narrative of Vladdy playing third Mm -hmm. base. Just puts more people over there. There's more spread out. Different opportunities for everybody. Hey, uh, we have a team where guys play different positions. We got a lot of guys who play multi positions. Ah, oh, we'll figure it out. This isn't this isn't make or break for Vladdy or anybody. Every you want to play third base, give it a go. Yep. My last one
1: here. Who's gonna lead the Blue Jays in home runs this spring?
0: It's, I feel like in spring, it's never who you think it's gonna be. Um, man, I. I I bleed, I bleed Guerrero blood, man. I gotta, he's just my my guy. I just love Vladdy, and I gotta say Vladdy because I just want to have that that hope that uh, this change that he's made in the off is immediately effective, and he's just smoking the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going with Vladdy. I'm going, I'm going with Rowdy. I think
1: that Rowdy is is probably feeling like he's got a lot to prove right now. I feel like he's got he he feels like he needs to be a part of this team. Uh, he's one of two lefties that can be deployed in a lineup. I think that, you know, we, we both, or I told you about the Mike Wilner column where, uh, Wilner's putting Gritchick in the lineup every day over Rowdy and that people are <laughs> rathering eight, eight right-handed bats than, than the two with having Rowdy in there. And I think he's so strong and, and the dimensions and the heat, uh, the the spring training weather i think he's just gonna be like like missing balls and they're gonna go out easily
0: i could definitely my rowdy didn't come to my mind but as soon as you said it i was like my mind just immediately saw him launching balls into the florida sky yeah like not even having to try
1: like you know what i mean like i don't think he's not even gonna lift his foot and just like kind of like have these kind of average looking swings you know when when guys have just the timings so, so perfectly that it doesn't look like any effort to just put a ball out. I think there's going to be a lot of rowdy this, this spring.
0: Uh, last quick one for me. And then we're, uh, we're going to have a little story time here, but last quick one, our beloved Puddin Alejandro Kirk. Is he going to break camp or not? Yeah. I think he is. Yes. Yes. I need me some pudding, man. I fucking, I love that dude. I want him to be on the team. I think, um, I I mean, I want to know what what Reese
1: McGuire has to do this spring in order to make the team. I I don't know, like have a 300 average, you know, hit like six, five or six bombs. Like he has to be offensive offensive in a big way I think it just seems like we've passed on him right we've got so many catchers in the system it feels like we're 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 churning along (laughs) here we might be through Alejandro Kirk or Danny Jansen
0: by the end of the season
1: have some other new guy that's making his way onto the team yeah
0: yeah Reese Reese's uh COVID season was uh disgusting so it's hard to get the thought of that out of your head who knows maybe he comes to spring maybe he uh answers all those questions easily for us and we don't see pudding and that's very very sad jacob it is story time this is our new segment called big league news where jacob and i each are going to tell each other a story from the major leagues neither of us know what story is to be told jacob would you like to begin
1: or would you like me i think you should begin right Big big league big league
0: news news Jacob, do you like Homer's big time? You ever seen uh, one of your boys smash a big, no doubt, ding dong, or or even a a little wall scraper smashed home run and thought boring? Mm. You ever <laughs> seen Vladdy? <laughs> you ever seen Vladdy go deep and change the channel? Well, MLB has something to say about it. This year, in 2021, MLB has decided to tweak the ball. What? To deaden the ball, as it's being called. Dead balls, like mine, after a decade of finasteride. (laughs) (laughs) Now... If you remember some controversy back in uh, 2018, do you remember this? It's when it kind of came to head and pitchers around the MLB were starting to complain that MLB had changed the ball. You can remember even Blue Jays like Marcus Strome and Aaron Sanchez at the time. They were saying that the seams were higher. yeah, And this was not only causing the ball to soar out of the yard at an epic pace, but it also basically ended Aaron Sanchez's tenure as a Jay. Yeah giving him blisters that the fucking diaper baby could not overcome. A lot of looking at fingers on the mound. A lot of zooming in on fingers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and every time he came back from an injury, every time he threw a pitch, he just moved that eye to that finger and you were like, "Oh, it's yep. done." But now MLB at the time said that well, they didn't they didn't do anything to the ball. Like what do you mean? It's different, huh? How? This is the same ball. We didn't do anything. Well, the dingers were flying, and in 2019, that marked the greatest home run year in MLB history with teams on average hitting 1.39 homers a game. And then in 2019, MLB said that it was due to the fact that big leaguers had changed their approach. Well, they were just all focused on a launch angle. Jacob, do you know what launch angle no, is? No, what is it? Launch angle is when you you want a bit more of an uppercut swing, an upward trajectory to hit the ball in the air. So if you're focused on hitting the ball in the air and pitchers are throwing hard and you're swinging hard, it's more likely that the ball is going to go over the fence. So MLB didn't change the balls. It must just be that these pitchers have baby skin on their <laughs> on their fingers and that people are trying to hit home runs. But something didn't quite smell right. And then MLB partially admitted that through a fault in manufacturing that some seams were a bit, in fact, higher. Well, MLB thinks dingers are boring. They're trying to put that ball in play and get more runners on. And boy, oh boy, Jacob, have they made a massive change to this ball, an astronomical change. MLB, MLB who owns Rawlings, and Rawlings' hand makes every single baseball that the MLB uses is winding the twine slightly less tight to make the ball slightly less bouncy, just slightly. Okay. They have made the ball 1 of a gram lighter. And I will spare you some of the, the boring science, but all told, the math works out that these new balls... If they are to be hit, a distance of 375 feet will travel one to two feet less. That's it. two two fucking feet less. Now that being said, the KBO Korean baseball organization tried this and their homers were down 33 percent. <laughs> yeah, 33 percent less home runs when they there's one little little change in what they did. they didn't take any weight out of the ball. They just spun it a little, a little less, but they let the ball the same weight. So maybe that's going to be a massive factor. Now, Jacob, all of this is to say, with a team like the Blue Jays that is so oriented around smashing the ball out of the park, does this scare you that all of a sudden MLB is doing this? Or is this just a whole lot of fucking nothing? Right. Well, despite the fact that I haven't heard about this and you're telling me about
1: all this for the first time, David, I have just in this moment, done a lot of thinking about how it affects the Blue Jays to to have this ball deadened. And uh, I think that it's actually a massive boost to the Blue Jays um, and to our team, to our offense. And you're probably wondering, how is that possible? Well, you know who I think that this dead ball is going to hurt the most? Former Blue Jays, like Freddie Galvis, you know, like guys who kind of were journeymen guys who aren't known for hitting home runs who in 2018 2019 started hitting all of these 401 foot bombs all of these you know left to, to left field 380 feet i'm talking like these guys who suddenly went from having six or seven home runs to hitting 2025 20, home runs we don't have those guys anymore We've got guys who hit monster shots, right? We've got Teoscar Hernandez. We've got Rowdy Tellez. We've got Bo Bichette. Maybe he, he suffers a little bit. Uh, maybe Kevin Biggio. Kevin Biggio still hits it pretty hard and pretty far too. Um, George Springer. All of these guys are monsters. I feel like we're not going to be the, the guys suffering
0: from having one or two feet off of our home runs. I think it's it's the logic of it seems so weird to me because it's not going to change hitters' approach. Hitters aren't going to be like, oh god, yeah, home runs are going to be so hard to hit now. I might as well change my swing. And if you want the ball in play, I mean, if a ball is going to go, let's say the fence is three hundred and seventy-six feet, and then you hit the ball three hundred and seventy-four feet and it's caught at the track, that doesn't get guys on base. It just takes away a wall scraper home run. Like the the, the change doesn't feel if this if the math is accurate which i I can only assume it is doesn't feel like significant enough change to really do anything. i think i think that's that's possible but
1: i think when i hear you say that i hear the possible flaw in that maybe they do have to change their approach eventually because they get sick of hitting these uh fly balls to the wall and getting outs and maybe they start adjusting their launch angle and trying to hit more line drives and try and hit it on the ground again a bit more and try and find holes that these guys who have no business trying to hit home runs are going to stop trying
0: to do it and putting the ball in play more. But that feels to me that that you can't change your swing in a season. So like we're either going to get a season where it's like this awkward transition where guys are trying to change their swing and they're a little bit off and numbers are down and it's boring. (laughs) Um, And then maybe in the offseason they work on some stuff, but that feels like Like that swing that they've got at this point is such muscle memory that for them to change the launch angle, changing a mental approach is different than in my mind, like changing a launch angle, like the actual function of your swing. Well,
1: that's possible, but I mean the whole the whole it's happened in the offseason we've got spring training we've got time for guys to get used to this ball and maybe yeah it's not going to be a whole season and maybe there is going to be some growing pains but to me i think that there is i don't know i don't i don't know the ins and outs of of guys plate approaches but i do feel like there's a difference between guys that are looking for a pitch to try and hit out of the park and when the guys say they aren't trying to do too much and they're just trying to put the ball in play and there's going to be more guys now who are looking to just put the ball and play more off and then they're trying to hit it out of the park. And the guys who know that they don't have the power to to hit mistakes out of the park, you know? You know, I think that there I, I think it could be a good thing. I want to give it the benefit of the doubt because I I do think that trying to change baseball to be less of the three true outcomes, I want to see less walks. I want to see less how, do I want to see less strikeouts? Yeah, I do. I want to see the ball in play more. I want to see more action. So if they, you know, they know I, more I'm than all, we do.
0: So I think that, that maybe this could work. Sure. Look, I'm all for the ball being in play more. I, I don't need to see uh home runs all the time. Like I, I love a sharp double to the gap. I like guys getting on. I like contact contact. Even when, you know, it's a sharp ground ball right at an infielder. It gives you that, like that second of excitement, yeah. that, that possibility Swinging and missing is is enraging um, when it happens so frequently. Uh, So I'm all for the ball being in play more. I just don't, in my mind, at this point, don't see this being the solution. Well, we got to see. We don't know. We don't know. True. And, you know, what was it, the Korean League? Yeah. Well... I don't know. Thirty-three percent, man—that's a lot. Thirty-three percent less home runs. Now, how, I don't imagine in the Korean league they probably hit. Well, as many that's what home I'm wondering how What's the MLB. percentage
1: of home runs that we hit more than them to begin with? Yeah,
0: still, even if it's on the same graph and it's thirty-three percent less of way more home runs, still thirty-three percent. You're
1: right. You're right. We'll, we shall see. We shall see. Um, you ready for for my big league news? You got anything else you want to say about that dead ball?
0: No, nope, nothing
1: else. Okay, I got a story for you. Big league news, guys. Big league news. Kevin Mather. Who, who is Kevin Mather? And, wh- and why is this big league news? So, uh, Kevin Mather was, up until a few days ago, the CEO and team president for the Seattle Mariners. This man is basically, as far as I can tell, the equivalent of Mark Shapiro for the Blue Jays. So uh, last week, and I know a lot of people, a lot of you guys out there listening right now, you're like, fuck, I already heard about this guy. And I wasn't going to talk about it again, but I woke up this morning and I saw a notification on my phone that Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees said to wake up and read about what happened with Kevin Mather. So I said, fine, fine, I'll do Mather. (laughs) I'll do Mather. So Kevin Mather, as I mentioned before, who he is. He, he, he met with the Bellevue Breakfast Rotary Club on 8 a.m. on February 5th. And, and that's sort of how most of the reports of this story start. And first of all, I kept hearing Rotary Club, this Rotary Club, that and Rotary Club this. And I'm like, what in the fuck is a Rotary Club anyway? <laughs> is, it, is it something to do with rotary phones? Do I want to join these sweet clubs that have Zoom calls with baseball people? And so so I looked it up and apparently it's not a baseball club at all. It's actually this massive organization with clubs all over the world whose stated purpose, and this is Wikipedia talking now, is to bring together business and professional leaders in order to provide humanitarian service and to advance goodwill and peace around the world. Sounds like a cult, but okay. Uh, So Kevin Mather joins this Zoom call, 8 a.m., and this, this meeting plays out with a type of openness about team dealings and backroom talk that you've never heard before. It's actually crazy. It's, it's, it's like if we gave Mark Shapiro acid or some sort of truth serum, and he came on our podcast, and we were talking to him like we talk to each other. And yet he has all of this knowledge of the team. So I, I'm just going to take you through what some of this meeting was like, okay? Some old man introduces him. And he hops on and he says, look, I don't have another meeting until 10 a.m. So let me just do a little rant here. Uh, Some things I'm going to cover today include but are not limited to uh, how cheap we run the Mariners and how awesome that is and how awesome I am for being uh, mega rich and the baseball team is cheap as shit. Um, I'll also cover how we fuck over the best young players in the world and manipulate their service time so we can delay paying them for as long as possible. I know, I know. It's (laughs) pretty cool, right guys? Um, I'm also gonna dance around my racist ideologies a bit here. I know we've had a lot of Japanese players on the team and there are a lot of uh, Spanish speaking players in the organization. I like those guys, but they speak English poorly. And uh, not only that, we pay their interpreters too much money, and this is America, so let me just rip those guys who don't speak English well uh, whenever I get an opportunity to. Oh, shit, yeah, Uh, last year, that pandemic, eh? Tough, tough year. We got hit hard. Like I said before, we are super cheap, uh, and we had the lowest payroll we ever had, so we lucked out there, and also, uh, (laughs) don't tell the TV guys this, or uh, maybe just edit out this of the recording. Uh, maybe i shouldn't even be saying this but f- fuck it you're my rotary boys and you deserve to know uh we we punched well above our weight on the tv deal we fucked those guys hard and we got way more money than we deserved right? stay rich right boys so so that's how kevin started the meeting and and
0: i'm is that is that is that verbatim? i'm just reading transcripts that? here right that's fucking crazy i was like is jacob like adding some stuff to this like is he like i was like, who talks i'm not like adding that? any extra color holy fuck that's crazy i
1: am adding extra color there oh okay okay, okay.
0: <laughs> jesus christ i thought that you were reading like verbatim the-
1: it, I may as well be, okay? I may as well be. He goes on. He starts talking about the season, and he's saying that things are getting better in Seattle. The, vi- the division is getting worse as the manners are getting better. He says 2021 is a stretch for the playoffs, okay? <laughs> he's just telling them straight up, we're not going to make the playoffs in 2021. Then he starts bragging about his players while getting in some insults, too. He mentions Kyle Lewis and how he's a great human being. Then he mentions justice sheffield who he said would have won rookie of the year if kyle lewis didn't and how he apparently enjoyed whispering in the ear of justice sheffield during the rookie of the year presentation that (laughs) that that justice sheffield would have won if kyle lewis didn't then okay so he talks openly about how they made an offer to jared kalenik to extend them for six years but he turned that deal down Just openly talking about the deals that they're making behind closed doors. Um, Then, and this is is where it gets, I mean, really the the crux of what's happening here. He straight up talks about service time manipulation. He says, in April, you will see a young pitcher named Logan Gilbert. He says, you won't see him April 1st, but by mid-April, he will be up. (laughs) And so this is, like I said, this is the crux of the story. Service time manipulation is built into the fabric of Major League Baseball's collective bargaining agreement. We've seen it across the league for years now. Major stars who are at the point where they're destroying the minor leagues. Usually in the previous season, they pushed their way to AAA and mashed there and then the next season comes around, they prove in spring training camp they should be on the major league team. The media and the fans watch and they say, this kid is better than the guys we have now. Why isn't he on the team to start the year? Well, the way the rules work, if the team waits a few weeks into the season to call up their top player, that season will not count as a full season season. And so they will gain an extra year of control over that player simply because they waited a few weeks into the season. We've seen it with Chris Bryant. We've seen it on our team with Vladdy, Nate Pearson. And all the t- all the team needs to do is say that these guys need to work on this, a little little bit of work on that. We don't think they're ready. We're doing it for the, for the best of the player to protect them, yada, yada, yada. And it can't be proven otherwise. Meanwhile, we all know that it's just manipulation, but they can never say it. They can't say it. And they don't say it. And here Kevin Mather is saying all of this to the Rotary Club, the fucking Rotary Club. And it doesn't matter what Logan Gilbert does in March or April. He's not breaking camp with the team because we've already decided he will join the team at the point where 2021 won't count as a full season and he will hit free agency one year later. And he he says so much more than that too. He says, Kyle Seeger is overpaid. He just says that. He describes pitcher Marco Gonzalez as boring. <laughs> he brags about how there are 100 free 180 free agents still unsigned and that they are going to wait them out and force them to turn their hat over and come hat in hand looking for a contract. <laughs> he describes how Kalenic will also be playing for the big league team a month into the season. He talks about how loud and how another superstar prospect of theirs, Julio Rodriguez's English is also not tremendous. He brags about how much money he charges for parking and how the employees of the ballpark, because of those prices, don't park in the parking garage across the street and instead they have to be escorted by police and walk in groups to their cars because the neighborhood they walk through to get to where their cars is parked is so dangerous and that something needs to be done about the dangerous neighborhood. <laughs> so (laughs) all of that came out the video came out the full you can watch the whole video i watched most of it the transcript came out and then he issued this hilarious statement and apology essentially saying that his comments were his own and they do not reflect the views and strategy of the mariners baseball leadership who are responsible for decisions about the development and status of the players at all levels of the organization which is Hilarious because he's the president of the team he's the ceo he represents the team he represents those people making those decisions so it's complete bogus and so kevin mather eventually resigned and so now the question is what will be the fallout of this how will the players union take advantage of it and really to me i just want the baseball product to be better for there not to be loopholes in the system that make it so we don't get to see the best players play. And my hope is that this is enough of a thing that the owners lose a bit of leverage in the new bargaining that will happen after this season so that maybe we don't see a lockout. Cuz I can't bear <laughs> I can't bear a year of players holding out and owners. Hopefully that this is just enough of ammunition for the players to I don't know, maybe it's not collusion Maybe it's, I don't know. There's just so many issues and this is just such an open thing out there now that I think it could be enough to hopefully just make baseball better.
0: Yeah. the One of the faults, I mean, there's many faults in this whole thing, but one of the big faults of this would be to say that, you know, that's just him. He's this one-off piece of shit who works in baseball and none of us are like that. Boy, that wasn't that shocking to hear at most of what, you're saying to me that he said you could imagine him yeah. saying you could have just, it's just, you know, it's unfortunate that it got recorded that stuff about um, that. He was saying about the, the players needing interpreters and not speaking English, that kind of stuff is disgusting. But the, 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 the sad thing about that is that I don't imagine he's alone in thinking that way, especially if he's so freely talking about it, like it's second nature to him, like what kind of conversations, Happen behind closed doors of this, uh, in this way. And so that's, it's a systemic problem. I'm sure of it in the, in like the Jared Porter thing. It's not just, these aren't just one-off two pieces of shit that just happened to have gotten caught. It's like, it's, it's like this little glimpse into this world that we don't really get to see all that often. And and I hope you're right because if, if it locks down next year, after everything that, we've been through and that the league's been through to get games up and going in this pandemic and then we get another a year off oh fuck that'll just be so disheartening and baseball will have a hard time i think uh recovering from that
1: yeah i think so too and honestly i was expecting i was expecting things to go a lot worse this season like i'm shocked that we're playing a full season i'm shocked that there wasn't a uh holding out in an extension of spring training starting on time because they're trying to figure out how to make it work the players just said look we we've got the agreement in place this is it says that you have to pay us and that we pay we play 162 games and we're not going to negotiate on that because it opens the door for all this other stuff that yeah. you can start changing and we're not doing that we're just sticking to what we got everyone yeah. else has made it work so let's do it and i thought that was shocking i did really didn't think that was going to happen and so Maybe there's maybe there's been a bit of goodwill and
0: maybe maybe the I think that the players are using that as leverage because they knew that the owners, as soon as they gave the owners a little bit, the owners would say, OK, we're going to uh, stop for three months mm-hmm. and then the players don't get three months of salary. And so the players were saying, nope, 162. Yeah. We agree to the deal that's in hand. We get paid for every single game, uh, regardless of what happens with. Um, you know, having to shut down, lockdown, whatever that is. So I I don't know if that's goodwill. That to me seems like a big crack in the foundation between the relationship of these two organizations.
1: Yeah. In any case, that
0: was big league news. The first ever big league news. You were here for it. You just witnessed it. Well, Jacob, we only have a few more worthless days to get through before we get to watch a spring training game. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. So we're going to be um, recording more frequently now that we have games to talk about and whatnot. We'll figure out what that schedule is going to be. Hopefully we're... I mean, I, we, we mentioned
1: that we talked about it before, but right now, um, Sportsnet hasn't released how many games they're going to be covering of spring training. There's a lot of talk on Twitter right now of people saying that Sportsnet isn't going to broadcast any games of spring training from their own feed. We know that Sunday there's a broadcast on Sportsnet of the first game of spring training and we're going to be listening to the Yes uh Network's coverage. We're not going to be hearing uh, Buck and we're not going to be hearing Dan. We might not even, they haven't even said if the radio team is going to be there, if we can even listen to these games. So uh, it's, it's a great concern to me. I was looking forward to having something to watch every day, watch the Blue Jays again every day at 1 p.m.
0: Like, perfect. And it seems crazy to spend 300 million bucks on a team and then not give the fans, like, a a visual (laughs) for the excitement that they have based on the moves that you've done. And I'm sure that it's not them saying, like, fuck you, fuck everybody. It just sucks. Obviously, we want to watch all these games. Yeah.
1: Um, Luckily, like, we play against the Yankees a lot. We play against the Phillies a lot. Both of those teams are... You know, I think they've already released their, their broadcast schedule. I think they're covering everything. Um, at least at home. I don't know if it means when players when teams come on the road and they play in Dunedin, if they're gonna be setting up their own cameras. I don't understand what's happening, but um it's we're not gonna be seeing every game, I've got a feeling. And we might not even be able to hear it. So let's 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 well, hope that let's... we
0: get more than what I'm thinking we're getting right now yeah let's not let's not melt down yet let's still have a little bit of hope and we hope you all have hope out there and we will be here next time